0: praise and we
1: thank you lord amen we exalt your great name in jesus name amen god bless you You can be seated just a few words here tonight for those that were very instrumental in a 10-year anniversary service i want to say to you how much i appreciate that and i know there are some special individuals that worked very very hard and very diligently um, to make all of that come to pass. I want to thank uh, Brother Brock and his family for everything that they do. He does a lot for me, and I appreciate him greatly, and his family. I want to say thank you to Sister Amy Doty and her family. There's a lot of stuff she's at offering. They're doing stuff. The people I'm acknowledging, two of them are not even in the building because they're they're doing stuff, but you can, you can give her the message, okay? She does a lot and has done a lot uh, to make all of that happen. And her family, people connected. And I know that when I say those names, there's a lot of other individuals that are connected to them that helped. And then Sister Kendra Patel and her family, for all that they have done, she has taken upon herself to make sure that she is the minister of hospitality and that that's that's saying a lot that's what that means if you don't know every guest that we have they get a welcome packet their stuff that she provides to them when they're staying in the apartment or at hotels she makes their arrangements she makes sure that they are cared for and uh, she is a representative of us and what she does is first-class And I appreciate that very, very much. Everybody that helped them and were involved with the work. Sister Tori, I don't know if Sister Tori is here. Some of her family is, so you tell her for me. The food was amazing. It was fantastic. And when I say Sister Tori and her family, all of you all were serving us. And you did a spectacular job. You did a spectacular job. Very, very much, first class. Thank you from the bottom of our heart and our family. I've not been able to get through all of the kind cards and notes and comments, but uh, we were sitting at the table tonight a little bit before service. and. Uh, going through some of the cards and the comments, uh, means very, very, very much to us. I love all of you. It's hard to believe 10 years has come and gone. Time continues to move quickly. One thing we do know, no matter what the time is, we need to have revival. Amen. And we need to push that and continue to push that. Amen. I appreciate all of you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks is probably not enough, and we will do our very best to put that gratitude into action. As we stand together tonight, let's turn to Acts chapter 19, verses one through six, chapter 19, verses one through six. I'm still, I am still mesmerized by this pulpit. And this gavel stand Brother Laren told me he saw this before it came in here I said well, what would you guys do did you all go over there to Brother Condren's and grade it Before he said yes he said that's why Acts 4.12 is right in front of the gavel neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved it's final it's done it's a name that's above every name. The songs tonight have been about the name. There's power in the name, healing in the name, protection in the name, deliverance in the name. Amen. And this passage of scripture in Acts chapter 19 also speaks about that name. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul having passed through the upper coast came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him, that is, On Christ Jesus when they heard this they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and when Paul had laid his hands upon them the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied I'm still talking tonight about the new birth experience Lord we thank you for it we ask that your word would be a strength to us and we would apply the gospel you have intervened on our behalf. And the remedy to death and to sin is Calvary and the cross. We want to apply that cross and that blood to our lives. We thank you and we praise you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. There is a new birth experience. It's the application of what I just mentioned. The fall created a disconnect between humanity and God. There were ramifications. Death passed upon all men. As we've stated many times of late, death does not seem like or feel like it should be here. It is an invader. It is distasteful in just about every form or fashion. Whether it comes at the end of life, after periods of long suffering and age, or whether it's a sudden appearance, It is something that does not seem like it should be around. Jesus Christ came and he said, I am come that you might have life and that life more abundantly. Amen. So he came to offer us a hope that what touches us and what seems out of place, he has come to provide a new way and a hope that the final word will not be death, nor will the grave be the final word but there is hope that Jesus Christ has provided something better for us and it's eternal life that which is on the inside of you the Holy Ghost that you receive is a power not only a power that gives you the ability to overcome sin I want to be an overcomer how about you I want to live above sin I cannot do that cannot 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 I cannot do that On my own, my own willpower. I don't have the ability. But the Holy Ghost in me, this is why the verse is so powerful. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you and you will be witnesses. It's the Holy Ghost in us that gives us the power and the ability to do what we would otherwise not be able to do. I know in this place, for a fact, there are testimonies of individuals that would raise your hand and testify. There is no way I would have made it through that, overcome that, carried through that, made a way. If it had not been for the Holy Ghost, that was in my life that gave me the ability in the midst of storms that gave me power amen so that is the new birth that is the gospel and it is applied to our life this is one of the reasons why we feel that a sinner's prayer is inadequate or inferior because it's not a proper application Nor do we find any evidence of it in the scripture. There are scriptures that say, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. But taken in context, you have to have faith and you have to believe in Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you won't be saved because faith is where it starts. And once you have faith, faith couples with it action. And action is how can I apply the gospel to my life. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. How do I apply that to my life? I apply that, as we talked about last week, I apply that in repentance. When I repent of my sins, it is a change of my will, my thinking, my patterns of lifestyle. I'm going a different direction. I'm changing my mentality. I'm changing a lot of things in my life and I'm I'm stepping out and I'm walking according to God's goodness and God's grace and his ability in my life. So repentance is very very important. And I'm thankful that when we talk about repentance, there are scriptures that help us understand that Jesus Christ is our advocate. He is one that stands alongside of us. Not only does he stand alongside of us as our advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous, but he is also an intercessor for us. I'm really thankful for people that pray. I'm thankful for people that have prayed for me. And But sometimes you might find yourself in situations where it feels like you're the only one. I will tell you this. The Bible tells us that his spirit maketh intercession for us for when we knew not what we should pray for as we ought, the Holy Ghost intercedes on our behalf. And when you start entering a season of prayer and you start talking in tongues, the Holy Ghost starts making intercession for you. Not only does he stand beside you, but he is an intercessor. that prays for you. Not only is he those two things, but the Spirit is also a comforter that brings comfort to you in times of turmoil and difficulty. Hey, if you're going through a problem, let me preach to you and tell you tonight there is a comforter that brings comfort and strength to you and peace that passes all understanding. Praise God, it's good to see Sister Jeannie. I called her on the phone and she said, I've had the virus and I've been in the hospital. I've been here and there, but pastor, I've been testifying to everybody. And she said, it's time for me to come back to church. I've got a letter that says I don't have the virus. Do you need to see it? I said, I don't need to see the letter, Sister Jeannie. Just come to church. She said, well, this is what she told me. She said that she had a word from God while sitting at home that they are waiting for you and so it's time to come to church when you were here tonight praying in that spot right there we were waiting for you without you that space and the atmosphere doesn't have sister Jeannie praying right there and interceding and praying we were waiting on you God was your comforter in the midst of your turmoil. Praise God and thank God that we receive comfort through your prayers that you pray in the well. He's a comforter. Repentance is a gift to us. Everyone say that. Repentance is a gift gift. If you've got your Bible, Paisley, do you have your Bible? You need a better Bible. You don't like to use your phone. You need a better Bible. Sister Bradford, we've got to get her a better Bible because she wants to write in the margins. And this would be something good to write in the margins. <clears throat> Repentance is a gift. It is a gift. People have a wrong mentality that somehow it's, it's, it's ugly. It's distasteful. In many ways, it is a death, but there's some things I need to die out every single day. Paul said, I die what? Daily. Daily. I die daily. There's some things I need to die out too, and in that, repentance is a gift to me. So I apply the gospel to my life Through repentance. Repentance is a type of his death. That's the application to my life. Peter, when he got up and preached on the day of Pentecost, and they were brought to that moment of saying, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, repent. Repent. That means to to die out to your own will and die out to some things in your life. It does not mean... That I say a few words and I cry, but I continue to live the same lifestyle that I've always lived. And thank God, the apostolic church has a message that does not preach that. That is a problem in the religious world. Hey, I want the bar set higher listen I don't want to live like the world and act like the world and still think that everything is okay my salvation means more to me than that my soul means more to me than that you cannot live like the devil and then expect somehow that God is bringing salvation to you I know you're not perfect I know you fall but there's got to be something on the inside of you that says I'm going to give God everything that I can and whenever I do fall, I'm going to repent and thank God for the gift. I'm absolutely 100% convinced that this is why there's a lot of millennials that are disillusioned with church. Why should I come to church and be entertained? You got the band and everything's rocking, but I can get that somewhere else. There's no power in it. And so therefore it is very easy for me to abandon it. I don't need it, I'll create something else. We got to have a church that's got power and strength and it's connected to the word that is an anchor and there's value in that and recognition in that. The bar is not set low, but the bar is set where it's supposed to be on a new birth message that is doctrinal, that goes back to the first century, that we value, preach and teach and we apply to our life. Amen. I I know some of you have heard this. You're thinking, I've heard this all my life. It should never get old to you because it is what saves your soul. It is what provides you security and strength. Being born again involves being baptized in water by immersion in the name of Jesus. By immersion. Everyone say immersion. By immersion in the name of Jesus. Baptism is for the remission of sins and identifies us with Jesus. We read this passage of scripture as our text and we'll come to it in a minute. But let's let's ask a few questions of it. Is baptism, is all baptism equal in the sight of God? According to our text verse. If baptism is equal in the sight of God, then John's baptism would have been okay. But John's baptism was not okay. It was okay for that time because John was preaching a baptism of repentance. In other words, he was a harbinger. (laughs) That's a great word. I read your your card, Rob, and I read it, brother and sister Huff. You're going to go home and look that one up. It's a good one. He was a harbinger. He was a forerunner. The scripture said he was a forerunner of one that was to come. So he preached the baptism of repentance. But after Jesus, there is something more important. And if baptisms are all equal, then that baptism would have been enough. But Paul said, that's John's baptism. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name. All baptisms are not equal. Some people will say, well, I was baptized in the title. I was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. That is so easy to explain because the name is singular. And the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost modifies the singularity of the name. Sister Jenkins is here and was fantastic with diagramming sentences. Because in grammar, in the Abeka program, they actually still teach you how to do that. Why would anybody need to do that? There's a case in point. If you're baptized in the name of the Father, who's of the Father? Identifying, describing the name of the Son, the name of the Holy Ghost, the name, what's his name? his name is jesus if all baptisms are equal then there wouldn't have been this passage of scripture in which paul said you need to be baptized in the name of jesus now they didn't argue with him (laughs) they didn't conjecture with him They were baptized in the name of Jesus, which last week in our verse, Peter said to Cornelius' house, he didn't say this is an option. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. You are commanded to be baptized in the name of Jesus. It is not an option. It is a command. If you're here in this house and you haven't been baptized in the name of Jesus, what would keep you from saying I want the name applied to my life. That's how the name is applied. What did they do to take on the name of Jesus? They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And what happened after they were baptized? The Holy Ghost came on them. Now, let me explain something because some people think this is sequential. Repentance, repentance is always going to precede baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. This is, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, this is very, very important. You cannot blow by repentance. And sometimes repentance is not something that happens one time. Now, sometimes it can. Sometimes people are at at such a a, a level in their life, they they, they are willing to walk away from anything because their existence is terrible and they're looking for hope. And so sometimes when they come, it doesn't take them long to repent and God fills them with the Holy Ghost. But other times there's a lot of things that are weaved into that individual's life. And if you just quickly go over repentance, you're going to you're going to steal from them the opportunity to root out everything that has dark tangled roots into their emotions and into their life. Repentance is a death, and sometimes it takes longer for people to die out to some things. So you have to be very, very sensitive to this when you're praying with people. If they are weeping and crying and you can see this is a good thing, just let them repent and pray and don't try to move them any farther until God does the work in their life you could even stop them and say do you really feel like you have repented of everything if they're unsure of that then we need to continue to pray until God completely does the work in your life if they say yes then you Then you start telling them, then the Holy Ghost is for you and God wants to feel you and he wants to take up residence, but he can't take up residence in your life if there's still some spirits living in the house. Amen. This is very, very good teaching. And, And I feel as a church, we are very strong in this very strong in this. Listen, I don't, I'm not an, I I am, but I'm not, I'm a numbers guy, but I'm not a numbers guy. We had all these people get the Holy ghost. Well, if, if they're still not here working things out, living for God, then, then what do the numbers mean? Huh? What do the numbers mean? We had a hundred people get the Holy ghost. Well, none of them are here. I would rather there be a slow growth and development and not focusing on numbers, but focusing on the fact that we are making disciples for Jesus Christ. That's what thrills me. We're not careful we get into numbers and that becomes an ego thing. We've seen this. Bishop Frost has gone to Ethiopia, and for those of you who don't know, you don't need to know the whole story, but Ethiopia was a situation where people got too attached to numbers, and when doctrine started to go sideways, they wanted to save the numbers for ego when the doctrine was going astray. It's better to say the doctrine has to be sure. That's the foundation. Rather than only focusing on the numbers. It's not about my ego or personality. It's about what does the word say? I want to stay there. And that was a terrible, terrible situation in which people went to jail, were beaten, lost their livelihood, died. And some folks wanted to hang on to the big revival in the numbers, we have to be in the word and maintain the scripture. I, I, what I, what I want to see is people growing in Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what I want to see. And tonight in this place, we, we've got people that are here that are growing in Christ. I salute you. I wanna be with you on the, on the journey and the trip with you. Amen. This is what excites me. Praise God. I do wanna see people get the Holy Ghost. God, give us a hundred person revival and then help us retain those 100 people. You're probably not gonna retain them all, but, but give to us some percentages that we can work with. Amen. Baptism is important to salvation. There are many types and shadows in the Old Testament. Noah and his family were saved from the flood via the ark. And and that was a type in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 21. Peter said it this way. Now, remember, Peter is also the one that preached on the day of Pentecost. So what he's saying here is not just throw away knowledge. He says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, The like figure, whereunto even baptism, doth also now save us. Save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The like figure, even, whereunto even baptism, doth also now save us. Peter is making a declaration that baptism is a part of salvation. Just as Noah was saved from the flood by putting his family on the ark. I also want to say this. Let me just interject this right here, okay? The greatest evangelistic job that you are given and duty that you are given is to save your family. That was weak. The greatest duty and responsibility that you have evangelistically is to save your family. That is your first priority. If if you gain the whole world and you lose your family, what, what value is there in that? Noah put his family on the ark and they were saved. And Peter said, baptism is a like figure that saves us. And the method of that baptism is immersion in water. It is the only method that communicates the biblical significance of baptism as burial. We are, if if repentance is identifying in his death, then baptism is applying his burial. How is a person buried? A person is immersed in the earth. So sprinkling and and this kind of, of action and practice, does not communicate the biblical significance of baptism as a burial. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16, Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and, the, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. He came up straightway out of the water. They were baptizing in Enon near to Salem because there was much water there. So baptism is an immersion. It is a connection with Jesus' death. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 36, the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip leaves a revival into the desert, finds a eunuch, and there explains to him the word of God. And chapter 8 and verse 36 says, And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water... The spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. Baptism is immersion. It is the only biblical significant mode that connects baptizing in water to, his, to Jesus' burial. And in Romans chapter 6 and verse 4, Paul really, really anchors this when he says these words. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Excellent, excellent, excellent. I'm going to read. There are five accounts of baptism in the New Testament church. And in every single one of them, every single one of them, there is the name of Jesus Christ that is connected and associated. So we have five, one, two, three, four, five. Perfect. So Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Brother Laren. Acts chapter 8, verse 16, Brother Brock. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Brother Kaufman. Acts chapter 8, verse 16, Brother Brock. Acts chapter 10, verse 48, Brother Casey. Acts chapter 19, verse 5, Brother Fields, and Acts chapter 22, verse 16, Brother Reese. All right, there are five accounts in the New Testament church that name baptism in the name of Jesus. Not only the Acts, but the epistles allude to that as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 13, Paul is talking to the Corinthians, and they're having major, major problems. They're having schisms schisms in the body and paul addresses that he says is christ divided was paul crucified for you or were you baptized in the name of paul paul said you're not baptized in paul or cephas or you're baptized in the name of one the identity is jesus first corinthians 6 and 11 says and such were some of you but you are washed but you are sanctified you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So the epistles refer to baptism. Galatians reveals that the gospel was unto, of circumcision was unto Peter, but uncircumcision was unto Paul. So whatever Paul is saying is in conjunction with whatever Peter is saying. They are both saying the same thing, that you should be immersed In water, baptism with his name being identified and applied to your life. It is a part of your new birth experience and salvation. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12 says, buried with him in baptism. Wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. There's an operation of God That happens when you're baptized, Paul says it right here, powerful, through the faith of the operation of God. So in the the Old Testament, there was an operation that was an operation of circumcision. Now, I'm not going to describe that and try to define that. I'll leave that to Brother Terry. Uh, But there's an operation of (laughs) of circumcision that takes place that is a cutting away of the foreskin. It's a removal, and it identified from the days of Abraham all through the Old Testament. It was a rite of passage that was also, it had spiritual significance. And Moses, Abraham, it became part of the law. Paul said, I was circumcised on the eighth day. Circumcision was very connected to the Old Testament. And and, and, uh, it was a rite of circumcision. Here, it is not. A, a circumcision of the flesh, but there's an operation of God that takes place. That is a circumcision of the heart. When, man, this is really good. When you are baptized in Jesus' name, there's an operation of faith that happens, not of, of, of body parts, but of your heart. God cuts away the stony heart Everything that is associated with a hard heartedness, he cuts that away and he gives you a heart of flesh. He does an operation in your life. His name is applied to your life. You become identified with Jesus Christ. You are literally a new creature. The disconnect from the beginning and the fall He removes all of that all the way back to the first sin of Adam, the centuries of sin. He removes all of that, and he puts you in right standing with him in which sin can no longer drag you around, become a burden to you, a weight to you. God cuts away all of that stuff and gives you the freedom and the ability not to carry that burden around. He remits that and removes that from you So that you're not weighted down by things that you have done and generational things in your family that have been done and generational things in the the family of humanity that have been done and he sets you in right relation with you and his name is applied to your life. Why would anybody not want to be baptized in his name? Woo! Praise God, you're not just doing a church tradition here. This is not just bringing you into this family. God's doing an operation on your heart and in your life. He surgically removes that hard shell. That st- Ezekiel said, it was a stony heart. But I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. Where there's a sensitivity to what God is doing. How many of you have surgery in here? <sighs> not always, because we still live in a fallen world, right? Do surgeries go right? So there may be some surgeries that people have had that have not its not worked out well. But for the most part... How many of you have had surgery and it has helped raise your hand? All right. Well, that's a pretty good percentage. But when Jesus is the one doing the operation, he always always gets it right. He always does a great job. When you you come up out of the water, you know that he's done a great thing. Okay. Okay. Five accounts of baptism. Let's just go one, two, three, four, five. Stand up and just read it, Brother Kaufman. And then Peter them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of this. Shout. Receive the gift of the yes. Holy Ghost. Right there. Amen. All right, Brother Brock. I did want to say this, too, because they were baptized there, but the Holy Ghost, <laughs> I like your energy, that's good, don't, don't, don't lose that, okay, hang on, just a minute, <laughs> um, so I, I lost track, but I'm coming back to it, I was starting into something, and I forgot what I was saying, but actually, I didn't forget, but I'm coming back to it, <clears throat> I need to stop making excuses for myself, um, See, if I hadn't said anything, nobody would have known. And I would just I wanted to say this. So repentance always, always precedes baptism in the infilling of the Holy Ghost. But you have you have occasions here where some were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, but they didn't have the Holy Ghost. And then you have an occasion where the Holy Ghost is out. And then he commands them to be Baptized. So don't think that it's a sequential thing. Well, I repented, now I'm going to be baptized, now I need the Holy Ghost. And some, some think, well, I need the Holy Ghost before I get baptized. No, you, you repent of your sins, and then the new birth includes a, a water experience and a spirit experience. And those two can happen in, in out of sequence. Or out of order. All right, Brother, Brother Casey. Yes, yeah, so in that case, they received the Holy Ghost and then they were commanded to be baptized. Brother Fields. When they, heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Don't get caught up in some crazy, goofy thing where the name... The names Lord and Christ somehow or something and Lord and Christ are titles, but we're reading where they were baptized in the name of Jesus. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the titles are not necessary. The name is Jesus. Right. All right. Brother Reese. Read that again. That's really good. If, if you're wondering, when should I get baptized? Okay, if you've repented of your sins, when should, if you've truly repented of your sins and you've applied the death of Jesus to your life, when should I get baptized, Brother Reese? Read that again. Calling on the name of the Lord. Praise God. Calling on the name of Jesus. When you say Jesus, you are putting your faith and confidence in Him. You are putting, when you say Jesus, the atoning work of Calvary, what He he went to Calvary, the blood that was shed, when you say Jesus, it is applied to your life. When you say Jesus, the power of is connected when you say Jesus his authority is connected this is why Acts chapter 4 verse 12 is so very powerful neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved it is the highest name it is the name that is above all names praise God I'm thankful for that name. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 9 says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'm thankful I know his name. When I say his name, his power is connected. When I say his name, the atoning work of Calvary is connected to that name. It's a name that is given to him, that is highly exalted. This is why we worship that name. This is why we lift our voice and we magnify that name. Every knee will bow in heaven and in earth and under the earth. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord of everybody. We need to stand to our feet and lift our voice and say, we know the sovereign name of the Lord that saved. hallelujah come on let's magnify that name I was baptized in that name I was saved by that name I've been healed by that name I've been delivered by that name I've been saved by that name oh let's clap our hands tonight like we really really we exalt you Lord we praise you we say that you are Lord hallelujah to the glory to the glory of God praise God praise God and everybody said amen so be it it is settled forever settled you're not going to move him off of the name that he died for You're not going to denigrate the name that produces blood that washes and cleanses us. You're not going to be able to intimidate the name that carried every sin to Calvary's cross. You're you're not going to be able to tear down a sovereign work of God that can be applied to our life. Anybody thankful here in this place tonight that you were baptized in his name. (laughs) Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Brother McCallister, if you can't come, is there somebody else? You got that. You shouldn't have to walk away from that. Wow. I just need some some, a little piano there. Amen. Let's conclude tonight in prayer. We need to pray for names that you will see projected. We need to pray for all of our elders. Uh, we need to pray for Alex. Alex Romano, who is in the hospital and has been. He is not doing real well. We want to pray for him. Amen. We need to pray for Sister Dixie, who's out of the hospital, but she is still very, very. Her lungs have been damaged because of COVID. And she went in. She, she's, she's just got a lot of heart heart issues. and So we need to pray that God would strengthen her. Amen. Those, those two are two really, really important ones. Is there anyone else here tonight that has a real, real pressing uh, brother? Yes, Sister Sonia. All right. Okay. All right. So we need to pray for Sister Black and Sonia, who who is also really, really struggling. Amen. Praise God. Anybody else that anybody knows that is in the hospital? Sister Darlene, they know who to call, don't they? And what we need to praise, it's not just a call, yeah, it's not just a call, amen, yes, Praise God. All of our elders, those names, you'll see names projected here tonight. Uh, Adriana Gonzalez is in Teen Challenge, which is uh, a help program. We need to pray for her and for Anthony. Amen. Amen. The men's home. We need to pray for the men's home, all the men who are in the men's home. Praise God. If you have a, a name that you want to join with these, amen. Let's, let's pray together right now. Lord, we thank you and praise you. I love you and know that you are great. Praise God. If you need prayer tonight, if you need prayer in your body tonight, you want to step forward. The ministry is ready to pray for you at this moment as well. God, we thank you and praise you and know that you are a great God. I love you and thank you. Amen. I thank you that there is a name that's above every name that brings healing and strength.